This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Searching with Seneca. Today I'm going to dive into verses number 5 and 6 of letter number 23 on the true joy which comes from philosophy. And I have to say that these are two of the most beautiful verses that I've ever read from Seneca's writings. And I'm sure that you'll see why when we read them. But uh, he's continuing on with his thoughts about finding this true joy that lives within us and moving away from this attachment to the external joys and pleasures that we find. So let's dive in. He says, quote, The yield of poor minds is on the surface. Those are really rich whose veins lurk deep, and they will make more bountiful returns to him who delves unceasingly. So too, those baubles which delight the common crowd afford but a thin pleasure, laid on as a coating, and even joy that is only plated lacks a real basis. But the joy of which I speak, that to which I am endeavouring to lead you, is something solid, disclosing itself more fully as you penetrate into it. Therefore, I pray you, my dearest Lucilius, do the one thing that can render you really happy. Cast aside and trample underfoot all the things that glitter outwardly, and are held out to you by another or as obtainable from another. Look toward the true good, and rejoice only in that which comes from your own store. And what do I mean by from your own store? I mean from your very self, that which is the best part of you. The frail body also, even though we can accomplish nothing without it, is to be regarded as necessary rather than as important. It involves us in vain pleasures, short-lived and soon to be regretted, which, unless they are reined in by extreme self-control, will be transformed into the opposite. This is what I mean. Pleasure, unless it has been kept within bounds, tends to rush headlong into the abyss of sorrow. But it is hard to keep within bounds in that which you believe to be good. The real good may be coveted with safety. End quote. So, as I'm sure you'll agree, this is just such a stunning passage from Seneca. You know, I love the analogies that he uses, asking us to dig deeper, uh, you know, and to find the true good uh, that, that is solid, not the false good, the, the kind of pleasure-seeking good uh, that is, is kind of uh, only beautiful on the outside, but turns out to be not very substantive uh, at all. And so I really like this analogy that he gives at the start here. I'll read it again. He says, The yield of poor minds is on the surface. Those are really rich whose veins lurk deep, and they will make more beautiful returns, sorry, bountiful returns, to him who delves unceasingly. So too those baubles which delight the common crowd afford but a thin pleasure, 
laid on as coating, and even joy that is only plated lacks a real basis. And so what's he saying here? Well, in life, there are some kinds of pleasures, some kinds of joys that look beautiful, looks, look substantive on the outside. But when we dig a little bit deeper, we realize that it was a false joy. In hindsight, once we have sought after these pleasures, we realize that it was fake, that it did not give us a true lasting feeling of joy, but rather that it was, it was a deception. And the funny thing is that we can know that these things are deception even while we are seeking after them. And this is why in this passage Seneca says that it takes extreme self-control to actually pull ourselves back and to say, I'm not going to pursue this false aim or this false pleasure. Right? And he wants us to seek after something more solid, which is why he says, the joy which I speak of uh, that to which I'm endeavoring to lead you is something solid, disclosing itself the more fully as you penetrate into it. And so when we're reading this letter, we need to recognize that what Seneca is saying here is that he's been studying philosophy, he's been practicing philosophy, he's been doing the work, right? He's been seeking wisdom, he's going after that ultimate goal. And on his path, he has found something that is very important, very substantive, reliable, and gives him a sense of confidence in life, and gives him a true sense of inner joy. And he's saying to us now, I've found this, I know what it is, I know where to find it, and I want you to come along and find it as well. This is a call to adventure. You know, this is a journey that we can go on. This is not something to just say, yeah, he's right, or no, he's wrong. This is something to test in our lives, something to uh, to go along and try to see if we can find what Seneca has found. And this is why that analogy of the mine is so useful here. It's because Seneca has been doing the mining in his own soul, right? He's been digging deep and deeper and deeper, and he's actually found something. He's actually found an incredible storehouse of gold of the soul, right? It reminds me of that quote from Heraclitus. It's one of my absolute favorite uh, lines of all time. He said, men dig tons of earth to find an ounce of gold, right? Now, Seneca didn't have to dig at all, right? In the physical world, he dug within his soul and he found an incredible vein of gold, right? And now he's telling us all, I know where it is. Please come along and see this for yourself. And something important to note here as well is he's also telling us about the nature of the path as you're walking along it, right? Because he says that it's something solid, right? The joy that he's found, disclosing itself the more fully as you penetrate into it. So as we practice, right, as we practice philosophy, as we dive within our own soul, as we learn to be satisfied with the goods of our soul, it reveals itself to us more and more fully, right? You know, we've talked about this in relationship to uh, developing a good conscience, 
right? Developing that voice that says to you, yes, you're doing the right thing or no, you're doing the wrong thing, right? This is something that you don't just have it or not. It's it's something that you develop over your life. It needs practice. It needs repetition. And, and so every time you say, I'm going to act in accordance with my better nature, uh, right? You are practicing, you are building that muscle that is revealing to you the true joy that Seneca is talking about here, right? And so he goes on to say, Therefore I pray you, my dearest Lucilius, do the one thing that can render you really happy. Cast aside and trample underfoot all the things that glitter outwardly and are held out to you by another or as obtainable from another. And so these harsh words, right, like trample underfoot, right? He's often used the term despise wealth, despise the gifts of fortune. Uh, You know, he uses harsh words because he really wants us to see that what he has found is far greater and far more important than any joy that you could get from these standard pleasures that we find in the external world, right? He's saying that this thing that I found is so much greater than anything that you could seek in the external world. External meaning uh, in the stoic sense, anything outside of your soul or your better character, right? That internal world that we have access to. And he goes on to say, look toward the true good and rejoice only in that which comes from your own store. And what do I mean by from your own store? I mean from your very self, that which is the best part of you. And I'd like to speak from my own experience here, right? Because I've been doing a lot of soul searching over the past year and a half, you know, thanks uh, in part at least to to Seneca's wise advice, right? But uh, I've had many influences who have who have helped me to see that there could be nothing more important uh, than to truly go on that path of seeking out uh, what it is that is is most meaningful to you. Right. And this is something that we all wrestle with in our lives at some stage. Right. And I think that we need to learn what it feels like to experience that sense of deep meaning. Some people call it flow. But you could also just think of it as that feeling that you get when you're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. You know, these layers of deep meaning building upon each other. We need to learn what it feels like to be in that state, right? Because then you know the solid, substantive, real joy that Seneca is talking about here, right? It's it's when you're living life in the way that it is meant to be lived, right? And you're not seeking after cheap thrills and cheap pleasures, You know, you're going after something that is real, something that has a deep connection to the very depths of your own soul, right? And and, and it's, it's, it's something that, as I said, we need to learn what it feels like so that we know what it is that we are aiming at, right? Because I think that we could all agree that if we could feel more of that sense of deep meaning in life, that deep connection with who it is that we really are, uh, that would be a great thing. And so Seneca goes on to say here, he says, The frail body also, 
even though we can accomplish nothing without it, is to be regarded as necessary rather than as important. It involves us in vain pleasures, short-lived and soon-to-be-regretted, which, unless they are reined in by extreme self-control, will be transformed into the opposite. This is what I mean. Pleasure, unless it has been kept within bounds, tends to rush headlong into the abyss of sorrow. So, of course, Seneca is coming from this perspective, which the Stoics generally hold, which is that, you know, despise the flesh. You know, the soul is of supreme importance, right? Seneca already talks about how uh, the soul is the superior part of ourselves, right? That's the part uh, that contains who it is that we truly are. Uh, but then the body is this thing that kind of leads us into uh, these kinds of desires of the flesh, right? Uh, now, we can debate all day about <laughs> whether or not we need to see it exactly like that, but I'm more interested in what he says next, which is that sometimes we need to use extreme self-control to hold us back from, from getting involved in these short-lived, uh, cheap thrills and these cheap pleasures, right? Otherwise, they are often transformed into their opposite. I don't think that Seneca has spoken a truer word than that, right? We all know how, you know, whether it's uh, with addictions, right, whether it's with just bad habits, you know, whether it's habits that you know are wrong and yet you keep on doing them, uh, we all know that these habits, though they give us a very short, you know, uh, very momentary pleasure, uh, that pleasure is then transformed into its opposite, you know, it's transformed into this knowledge that we are not living up to the expectations that we've set ourselves, that we're not living up to uh, the standard that we would like to set for our lives. And of course, right, we all need that balance that Epictetus talks about. It's one of my favorite principles because I know that it has helped me so much in my life and a lot of my clients as well. He says, you know, a little bit of self-scrutiny and a little bit of self-kindness. We always need to be kind to ourselves, right, and recognize that we're not perfect and we never will be. But that doesn't mean that we don't experience that self-scrutiny when we know that we should have acted in one way, but we decided nonetheless to act in the other. You know, we should have sought the true good of our soul. We should have sought the, the true good that comes from uh, a sound character, right? And from living by the standards that you set for yourself. Uh, but we chose the opposite. And in the most extreme cases, which Seneca is definitely talking about here, you know, when we continue to feed these terrible habits, these addictions that give us very short-term pleasure, uh, the longer we feed them and the more we feed them, the more they start to turn around and absolutely wreak havoc on our lives, right, and ruin every part of our lives. And look, if you're dealing with an addiction and you're listening to me now and you're thinking, you know, hey great, Seneca's telling me that I can just, you know, go along and find this true inner joy and be rid of all of these short-term pleasures. No, we look, we're in a different time. We understand different things now. Uh, this is something to seek help for, right? Of course, right? We all need to find that support when we're trying to wean ourselves off from these, 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 these cheap thrills and these, and these cheap pleasures. Uh, but essentially what Seneca is saying here is this is this is the nature of the game itself. This is the nature of the game. 
the more you seek those things, the more it's going to turn around and into its opposite. It's going to ruin your life. But the more you seek the true good of your soul, right, the more that is going to be beneficial for you. It will open itself up to you. And just in case I haven't made the point clear enough, I do just want to point out that I love this line from Seneca where he says, this is what I mean. Pleasure, unless it has been kept within bounds, tends to rush headlong into the abyss of sorrow. You know, don't we all know somebody who was not able to keep their pleasure-seeking within bounds? And haven't we seen people who have seemed to rush headlong into the abyss of sorrow, you know? In that struggle, whether it was through mental illness or whether it was just through a series of bad choices in their life, you know, this is not something to aim at. And Seneca's trying to pull us away from that direction and say, there's something better that I've found. It's better than those cheap thrills. And it is so much more secure and it will sustain you. And so the last line of this passage, he says, but it is hard to keep within bounds in that which you believe to be good. Meaning, if you still believe that something is good, if you still have that label, that this is something that I would like to have, how do you think you're going to be able to keep yourself from pursuing that thing? How do you think you're going to uh, keep yourself from falling into that trap over and over and over again? This is why Epictetus said, before you can understand what it is that I'm seeing, you need to go a long period in your life uh, where you stop labeling things as good or bad, right? So that you can see what's truly good, right? What's truly bad and what doesn't make a difference, right? But Seneca takes a firmer stance uh, on this issue. Uh, as we've seen here, he says, you know, no, don't even just see those things as indifferent to you. You know, look down upon them, trample upon them, right? Cast them aside, right? Despise them, right? He really wants us to uh, to to go above and beyond in our avoidance of these things that are clearly not good for us. And that means first deciding that you're going to cast them aside and trample on them and, and learn to despise them, right? According to Seneca, right? And his last line here, the real good may be coveted with safety. So let's just say that the real good is like broccoli. You can have as much of it as you want, right? Uh, whereas the, the other stuff that he's talking about, these cheap thrills, you want to be very, very careful. It's like chocolate, maybe every so often, right? But don't go overboard. Uh, and so uh, this is just, as I said, I love this passage from Seneca. I, I think that he, he writes so beautifully and he just, well, he has tried his best to seed carefully chosen words and you're the soil that he's sending this seed to, you know, and whether or not these seeds fall upon fertile soil is really up to you. You've got to listen to these words and you've got to think, what does this mean for me in my life? You've got to meditate on this. You know, Am I currently involved in seeking after these short-term pleasures? And what's it doing to my soul? You've really got to ask yourself that question. You know, Because what makes you think that when you go after these things that you're not killing your soul one piece at a time? You know? And this is something to really consider. Uh, and, and so I just want to encourage you to meditate on this. How does it relate to your own life? How does it make you feel about your own actions and your own standards that you've set for yourself? Uh, 
as I said, a little bit of scrutiny, a little bit of kindness, right? But don't go too far either way, right? It's a middle way approach. But you have to start grappling with the question. You have to start asking the question. You know, just how far am I from the path that Seneca is laying out here? So anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I'll talk to you next time.